Thank you, everyone, for attending another uh, deep dive into Srila Jiva Goswami's Krishna Sandarbha, uh, where we will study uh, the nature of uh, Swayam Bhagavan. We're now discussing the 28th Anucheda, wherein the Pariva Sutra of the Srimad Bhagavatam is uh, completely unpacked uh, by Srila Jiva Goswami. Uh, we began uh, this discussion in our last uh, presentation, and we will continue uh, with the 28th Anucheda, which has been subdivided into sections. Um, we start today by a quick review of uh, what we went over in the last class, reminding ourselves that uh, this section of the Krishna Sandarbha is dealing specifically with the 28th verse from the third chapter of the first canto. Iti chamsa kalapumsa krishnastu bhagavan swayam 
Indrari, Vyakulam Lokam, Ridayanti Yuge Yuge. All these are either portions, amsas, or minute, or minute portions, kalas of the Purusha, but Krishna alone is Bhagavan himself. All of them appear on planets whenever there is a disturbance created by the atheists. The Lord incarnates to protect the theists. So we began uh, by reviewing the beginning of the 28th Anucheta, which corresponds to this 28th verse from the third chapter, uh, spoken by Sutta Goswami. And Jiva Goswami, of course, first uh, quotes the verse, and then he begins to uh, explain its meaning and that explanation began last week by explaining exactly what the verse is putting forth uh, and explaining that he alone is the very same Bhagavan who is the original source avatari, avatari even of the Purusha. So Jiva's bringing out the fact that even the Purusha, through whom all the other avataric descents um, are manifest, even that Purusha, the source of that Purusha is Bhagavan Sri Krishna. So this term avatari is used uh, by Jiva Goswami uh, to point out that generally speaking, uh, whenever there is an avataric descent, it's coming through uh, the Paramatma manifestation of the Supreme Lord. But when Krishna comes himself, uh, that's a distinctive manifestation of the Lord. And although he appears to come like all the other avatars through the Purusha, uh, specifically in a universe, uh, Garbo Dakshai Vishnu, uh, that we need to see that there is a specific distinction uh, in the descent of Krishna. So he point, as Sutta Goswami has pointed out, and he's elaborating this is Bhagavan himself. He, he is the source. Uh, there is no source for him. Rather, he is the source of all other sources. So the predicate should not be stated without specifying the subject. Uh, so the characteristic of being Bhagavan, the predicate is established as belonging specifically to Krishna, the subject and not the reverse, that the characteristic of being Krishna, Krishnatva, is established of Bhagavan. So Krishna is the source of all other manifestations, and thus it's established first in the verse, Krishna's to Bhagavan Swayam. Instead of Bhagavan Swayam is Krishna. <laughs> uh, Bhagavan Swayam 
the Supreme Lord could be any one of the different manifestations. Uh, but no, Krishna is the source of, uh, of he is the, the quintessential Bhagavan, Swayam Bhagavan. So he is Bhagavan in and of himself, not because he has appeared from Bhagavan, nor because of the superimposition, ajasya of godhood, Bhagavata, upon him. So this was all made clear in this beginning portion of the 28th Anucheda. And now we're going to go into the second portion um, of this 28th Anucheda, which has four sections, or better to state it, four subsections. Uh, and now Jiva Goswami meet, proceeds to further unpack the meaning uh, of this Pariva Sutra. He says there, one should not doubt this conclusion on the plea that Krishna is also listed among the avatars. Such an allegation is dispelled by the hermeneutical principle among prior and succeeding injunctions. The former is weaker. Like Pakriti, the fundamental part, fundamental part of a yajna, or ritual, be, which is overridden by the atonement process, Vikriti, Jamini Sutra. So Jiva is going to, to give us an analogy to strengthen his point that the fact that Sutta Goswami made this declaration after listing all the other avataric extent descents now we know he didn't list all the avataric descents but he gave us a, a a pretty good sampling of the lord when he does come within the material realm and how he comes and performs different functions through portions or portions of his booty vibhutis uh, portions of the portions, palas, kalas, which can also be referred to as vibhutis or opulences. So when he comes and bestows an opulence, uh, like the opulence of devotion upon a jivatma, like Narda, um, that's a kala descent. And if he comes there. So he's saying, now let's go, let's, let's look at further evidence in support of the fact that Krishna is, that this statement, Krishna Stu Bhagavan Swayam, that this statement carries
I'm sorry, I had a temporary uh, outage here of some sort. So I'm not sure if I'm still live or if we're even. Yeah, could you? I see someone's chatting. Uh, it says I can go ahead. So it appears somebody is seeing me and hearing me. So thank you for that. And we will proceed. the difficulties we have in our living in the country. We do not have a, uh, a strong internet connection here. Let us proceed. So we are discussing the fact that Jiva Goswami is giving an example of the fact that when there are different injunctions I restarted the slide. Please let me know if you cannot see them or if you can see them. Okay, thank you. So he's used a principle to say that the statement of Krishna's to Bhagavan Swayam coming later in Sutta Goswami's description, uh, there's a, a hermeneutic principle that later statements carry more uh, weight, weight as to what is to be accepted. And he's, he's giving an example now to support that uh, principle. For example, in the description of the Agnistoma Yajna, in the Shruti, it is stated, if the Udgata priest falters, then perform the Yajna without offering a gift, Dakshi, to the priest. However, if the Pratiharta priest falters, then perform the Yajna by offering everything in Dakshin makes sense. So if one priest falters, one of the, the various priests when performing sacrifice, according to Shruti, uh, a specific Shruti is being, uh, sacrifice is being spoken of here, here uh, sacrifice, Agnistoma. Um, I'm, not, I'm not acquainted with knowing what that is for, what the purpose of it is, but still, uh, Jiva's giving us this example. So if one, one of the priests falters, then there's no offering of dakshin to be given. And if another of the priests falters, then everything should be offered in dakshin to the priest. Then it goes on to state, if it should be it if it should so happen that both of them, the Yudgata as well as the Pratiharta, falter, then what is to be done? 
the two opposing atonements, not offering doxine and offering everything in doxine, cannot be executed simultaneously. So, on the basis of the above hermeneutical principle, it is the latter atonement alone that is concluded to be the right course of action. The same principle is to be applied here. So, Jiva's given an example, and he's saying that the Shruti saying that in this sacrifice, if both priests falter, then we follow the second directive of giving everything in charity. Everything's to be given as dakshin. And that same principle of putting, of, of what is to be followed should be applied here in looking to the presentation by Sutta Goswami in the third chapter regarding the avataric descents of the Lord um, into the world. So Krishna is first counted among the avatars, and later he is identified as Swayam Bhagavan. Of the two, the latter statement takes precedent. He continues, alternatively, the statement, Krishna, however, is Bhagavan himself, is validated by the hermeneutical principle that a direct statement, Shruti, overrides the content, context, Pakarana, which in this case is concerned with the avatars. An example of the application of this principle is found in the commentary of Sankarcharya on Vedanta Sutra. So Jiva's saying now he's fortifying, pounding the post. He's fortifying his position that Krishna is Bhagavan himself, Krishna's to Bhagavan Swayam, uh, by another hermeneutical principle that a direct statement, a Shruti statement, overrides context. So our context here is Sutta Goswami is mentioning all the avataric descents, and then he makes a profound and, and, and direct statement regarding the nature of Bhagavan, Swayam Bhagavan Sri Krishna. So that statement of a Shruti statement overrides the context of the general descriptions of all the avataric descents that Sutta Goswami is giving. So he's now giving an example to support the his utilization of this hermeneutical principle um, from the Vedanta Sutra and the commentary of Sankaracharya. Because a direct statement, Shruti carries greater authority than the context text, Prakarana, there is no contravention of the fact that these fires Manaschit and so on are independent of ritual action, kriya, being associated with knowledge, vidya, instead. 
Again, this is from a commentary by Sankaracharya on a section of Vedanta Sutra, wherein he's, he's stating the same principle. Of course, it's in a different context, and he's speaking of something else as far as uh, uh, the performance of in Vedanta Sutra. Jiva Goswami continues here. Sankaracharya's comment that the Shruti statement, all these fires, manaschit, and so on, are built up through knowledge, vidya alone, and not through ritual action, kriya, overrides their subsidiary nature, asvatantriyam, <clears throat> determined by the context, prakarna, of being included within the scope of ritual action, kriya. Rather, this direct statement establishes their independence in the form of being built up or ignited through knowledge alone, vidya chitva. The same principle is to be applied here. And then, what principle is that? Although Krishna is listed as the 20th avatar, and is thus included within the context of the avatars, his characteristic of being an avatar is overridden by the direct statement, Shruti, Krishna alone is Bhagavan himself. So Sankaracharya is making the point that um, in the Vedanta Sutra, where he's commenting that knowledge Knowledge is a real basis, is the point he's trying to make. And the fact that knowledge is being established as the basis overrides the fact that the knowledge is, is being established within the context of the explanation of the fires of ritual action. So it, it, it overrides the fact that there is a ritualistic activity and action. The fact that the real substance is derived from the knowledge that's being spoken of. Again, for us who are not that schooled in uh, Vedanta Sutra, uh, we can simply draw from Jiva Goswami's commentary according to our uh, own understandings of what's being said here. So it, it's apparent that Sankaracharya is making the point that knowledge is overriding the action of the sacrifice. Similarly, even though all the avatars are being explained and outlined by Sutta Goswami, the fact that Krishna is Bhagavan himself is the Shruti statement, and that is giving, given more precedent. Jiva Goswami continues, consequently, here also, in the context of the discussion of the avatars, Sutta Goswami did not use the term, use the word Bhagavan for any other avatar, 
but did so only in reference to Krishna. Bhagavan removed the burden of the earth. So even earlier, the terminology Bhagavan came up, but it didn't come up, this term Bhagavan, by Sutta Goswami. He didn't introduce it except in relationship to Krishna in the 23rd verse. Hence, his inclusion in the list of avatars is because of the fact that although he is Bhagavan himself and is ever situated in his own intrinsic nature, he sometimes becomes visible to the world at large, nourishing a special sweetness through his divine play, Leela, such as taking birth in order to bestow uniquely astonishing bliss upon his personal associates. His being Bhagavan is thus stated as follows in Brahma Samhita. And then he's going to quote from Brahma Samhita. Of course, the important point here is that Krishna's descent, Swayam Bhagavan Sri Krishna's descent is, is very special. Uh, and once in a day of Brahma, it's, it's, it's really unique in every day of Brahma that Krishna himself descends in one specific yuga cycle, uh, of which there are 1,000 cycles in a day of Brahma. So the quote from the Brahma Samhita, I worship Govinda, the original Purusha, who being situated eternally in forms such as Rama through partial limitation of his complete power, avatarikali descends in these various forms into the 14 worlds. When, however, Krishna himself appears in the world, he does so in his very own self-nature, Swayam, as the Supreme Person, Parama Puman. The term avatar means to become visible within the material creation. Since Sri Balaram is mentioned in connection with Sri Krishna in the 23rd verse, he too transcends the classification of being an amsa of the Purusha. In the statement Krishna stu Bhagavan Swayam, the word tu, however, indicates that Bhagavan is distinct from the amsas and kalas of the Purusha and also from the Purusha himself. So now Jiva is, is further expanding uh, the explanation. And letting, giving us insight into the fact that it's, we're not speaking just of Krishna alone, but we're also speaking of Krishna and Balaram, because Balaram is mentioned in the same verse um, as Krishna uh, earlier uh, in the list of avataric descents. And Jiva goes on to further clarify. Alternatively, by the word to, the Shruti 
or expressed statement is understood as definitive. Swabhadarana. Thus, by the principle, the definitive shruti is stronger than other statements. Even if Mahanarayan and others are referred to as Swayam Bhagavan in certain statements of the Shruti itself, this is to be understood in a secondary sense by virtue of the above direct statement. Now, when we proceed into the 29th Anucheda, Jiva Goswami is going to very methodically go through other statements from the Bhagavatam itself, which of course he's already established in the Tattvasandarbha as our pri as the primary praman uh, from the Gaudiya perspective, but we'll find other narrations, leelas, and um, and within the Bhagavatam itself, we'll see that. Krishna is often referred to in those other places as an amsa, as just like the other avatar descents are referred to here by Sutta Goswami. So he's going to take a very strong sampling of those statements and methodically show us how to properly read those statements, interpret those statements according to the key, the key being a Parivas Sutra, and in this case, the key is Krishna's to Bhagavan Swayam. So the definitive statement, the Shruti, is stronger than other statements. So that's going to become very clear um, as he goes forward, uh, specifically in the next Anucheda, which also has many parts <laughs> uh, to bring that point home. But let us continue, continue with his explanations here. So we can see he's reinforcing again and again, different, different perspectives uh, where one could argue Wait, Krishna is just another manifestation coming forth from the Garbodakshai Purusha within a material manifestation. And Krishna is showing, no, these are the reasons why, even though he's in the list, even though, even though, you know, for so many reasons, uh, here, here's the arguments. These are, these are authoritative. It's Shruti. Um, it, 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 it carries uh, weight because of uh, hermeneutics, how Sutta Goswami spoke the verses and where it's placed. So he continues uh, in his Sandarbha, in the third subsection. In the opening verse of this chapter of the Bhagavad, Sutta Goswami used two words, Purusham and Bhagavan, while in the concluding verse of the section, which is the verse we're discussing now, the Parivas Sutra, he uses the two words 
Pumsa and Bhagavan. Because the word Pumsa is a synonym for Purusha, and because the word Bhagavan is identical, Sri Shuta here remain, reminds us that these are the very same two words employed earlier. To dispel all obstacles to clear understanding, the learned use the same or equivalent words in their opening, Udesh, and concluding statements, Prati Nirdesh. For example, in the section that deals with the topic of Jyotistama, in the injunction, in each spring worship the Jyotish, the word Jyotish refers to Jyotishtama sacrifice. So again, although we, for the most part, not being deep scholars uh, at a level anywhere near even comprehending the knowledge base from which Jiva Goswami's basing these various conclusions, uh, all of the different uh, hermeneutics, and here uh, again using uh, common logic in the presentation of, a, of an authoritative literature, that the opening and closing comments on, on any particular subject uh, will be brought forth, and therefore we can see this statement in the context of that, that the opening and the closing statement regarding the position of Bhagavan uh, are, are utilize, utilizing the same words. Sutta is utilizing the same words here, and thus emphasizing the point of Bhagavan or the supreme Ams, the source of all other avataric descents, the avatari. Now, just to think of the, the, the level of the discourse of Sutta Goswami and how much goes into his presentation to those sages headed by Sonika and how precise the wording was that he used in making this presentation and how Jiva, someone like Jiva Goswami can go into that presentation and bring out all these various tattvas in support of his position in establishing the Pariva Sutra for our Sampradaya. And again, remember this Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, this is this is the unique, Jiva's already pointed this out, this is unique to Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Of course, our perspective is it should be unique to all Vaishnavism, that Krishna is the supreme personality of Godhead. But it's not seen that way. Not all those that are approaching the supreme absolute truth, even in his personal form, recognize that Krishna is the avatari, 
that Krishna is Swayam Bhagavan, that Krishna is the source of all other manifestations of his various forms. The distinction between the whole and its parts, Jiva Goswami continues. And this is a very, very interesting section on the very first volley of establishing the validity of the Parivas Sutra, uh, wherein Jiva Goswami is going to look to Madhvacharya's um, reading of the verse and create and correct from our Gaudiya perspective uh, a misconception that one could draw from Madhvacharya's uh, presentation. In his reading of this verse, the Honorable Acharya of Tatvavad, now it's interesting that he, he refers to Madhvacharya in that way, uh, because we as Gaudiyas look to Jiva Goswami as our Tattva Acharya, the Acharya who establishes the Tattva according to the uh, according to the direction of, of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So the the Goswamis uh, they're empowered to bring out aspects of this. Theology. They were empowered by Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and for an understanding of tattva and specifically establishment of the Siddhanta, uh, a well-rounded uh, establishment of, of the of the Siddhanta. There's various aspects, and the specific. Um, the, speci the specifics of establishment of the Bhagwat Purana as the primary Praman, and then giving a comprehensive commentary on the Bhagavat Purana, bringing out the points of the the esoteric points of 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 the absolute truth as seen through that Purana through the lens of Sri Chaitanya's Sankirtan outreach, wherein it's, everything is comprehensively covered, uh, you can look at, to that as similar to in, in earlier Sampradayas, a commentary on the Vedanta Sutra. So that's why uh, the Gaudiya Sampradaya they didn't see a necessity. The Goswami saw no necessity in um, the establishment of a commentary on Vedanta Sutra. Rather, their response to such a, a plea on the part of other uh, Vaishnavs of the day was the Srimad Bhagavatam itself is the most mature commentary on Vedanta Sutra by the author himself. So what, what more do you need? Now, of course, sub, subsequent to that, uh, just to, 
to show some deference to other Vaishnav Sampradayas, uh, we, they did uh, charge uh, Baladev Vidyabhushan with providing a commentary on the Vedanta Sutra called the Govinda Bhashya, uh, which is the commentary for our Gaudiya Sampradaya. But the real commentary providing the underlying Siddhanta from the Bhagavat point of view is provided in the Sandarbhas of Jiva Goswami. And it's, it's extremely comprehensive as, as we're seeing here, uh, entering into now the Krishna Sandarbha in a very detailed manner. We're gonna be schooled very deeply in what's, what's involved here. And we can see now we really get to the key, the Pariva Sutra, and now Jiva re really begins to, to unpack the, the gems of insight uh, that are the elements that constitute the Siddhanta of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. So now, you notice he says the Honorable Acharya Tatvavad, Srimadvacharya. Of course, when brackets here, we can see that that's added uh, by the translator. So reads the word swa in place of cha and explains it as follows. All these et mentioned above, all those, I'm sorry, mentioned above are avatars, but the original form, mula rupi, is Krishna himself. What is the intrinsic nature, swarup, of the avatars? They are swaamsas and kalas of the purusha, but not differentiated portions, vivi namsas, like the jivas, as it is said in the Varaha Purana. Now, again, he's quoting Madhvacharya here. And Madhvacharya's commentary to this verse, all these avatars mentioned above, he's given a commentary to Parvas verse, uh, are avatars of Sri Krishna. And the distinction between them is that they're, they're not vibhinamsas like the jivas. They're actually amsas and kalas of the purusha. And Madhvacharya continues in his commentary to say, amsas or portions are of two types, self-same swamsa and differentiated vibhinamsa. A swamsa is defined as a portion endowed with the same prowess, samarthya, the same intrinsic nature, swarup, and the same existential status, stiti, as the whole, amsi, that encompasses it. 
there exists not even an atom, Anu, of distinction, beta, between a swamsa and its umsi. The Phoebe Namsa, on the other hand, has minute potency and limited prowess. And Madhva quotes the Varaha Purana in support of his position here. That there's not a there's not an atom of distinction between a swamsa and its amsi. Madhva is basically saying all these manifestations, avataric descents, are equally the supreme personality of Godhead. There's not a, an atom of distinction between them. Jiva goes on to clarify the point, and he now makes his arguments in opposition to Madhva's position. This is not the only thing that, as, as, as Gaudias, uh, there's some disagreement in theology uh, uh, with Madhvacharya. Uh, Madhvacharya also has a different viewpoint when it comes to the the Vibhinamsas or the jivas. Uh, he basically sees the jivas as following falling into three categories according to the influence of the modes of material nature upon them, but rather he sees that they are in specific modes of material nature according to their inherent characteristics. What that unfortunately means for some jivas, that viewpoint means that some jivas in the mode of ignorance will never have the opportunity to attain moksha. Um, we're not going to go deeply into those arguments now, but uh, it's another point of, of a difference in uh theological outlook from the from Madhvacharya and uh, ourselves as Gaudiya Vaishnavas. So Jiva now writes, in this regard, referring to what Madhva has put forth, the following is to be said, the Amsa's identity of prowess, nature, and so on, with that of the Amsi is to be understood as due specifically to their oneness of categorically being jati yatva. This situation is comparable to that of rivulets flowing from an inexhaustible lake, where the inexhaustibility of the rivulets is due to the inexhaustibility of their source. Otherwise, it would be impossible to distinguish between the part, Amsa, and its all-encompassing whole, Amsi. So Jeeva is clarifying, really, there, there's a source, and there is the, the rivulets that flow forth from the source, and let's look at it as, as a lake which has unlimited uh, rivulets flowing forth from it. But let's look at this improper perspective. 
Moreover, if Sri Vasudev, the Amsi, and Sri Aniruddha, his Amsa, were identical in all respects, then Sri Vasudev would at times be expected to appear from Aniruddha. This, however, contradicts the direct statements of scripture and is hence invalid, a sat. Consequently, a hierarchy, taratamya, certainly exists between the avatari and his avatars. So where Madhva says there's not an atom of distinction, Jiva says, no, there is a distinction. One's the source, and one is coming forth from the source. And that distinction is, is important. There is a hierarchy. And the, the hierarchy itself proves the distinction. Thus, in the eighth chapter of the third canto, now he fortifies his position. Vasudeva is described as superior even to Sankarshan, and he supports that from his primary praman, which he's established, Srimad Bhagavatam, third canto. The four topmost celibate sages, the Kamaras, desiring to know the truth regarding he who is superior even to Bhagavan Sankarshan, approached and inquired from him, Sankarshan, the original deva, whose consciousness, sattva, jnan, is unobstructed and who was situated in the Patala region. At that time, he was worshiping through complete meditative absorption his own source, whom the Vedas proclaim as Vasudev. So here we see Jiva has taken this statement from the third canto, and he said, why would Sankarshan being, be worshiping Vasudev if Vasudev was not superior to him? So that's, that's part of his um, support for his position and our Gaudiya position that not that there is a hierarchy between the different manifestations of the Godhead. In the explanation offered by Sri Madhvacharya, the phrase Krishna's too would become redundant because its purpose would be served merely by the phrase Bhagavan Swayam. Moreover, in his explanation of Vedanta Sutra, 2.3.45, Madhva himself has explicitly pointed out the difference between the Amsa and Amsi by the statement. Although they are Amsa's portions, Machi and others, avatars of the Supreme, are not so in the same sense as the Jivas, just as although both the sun and a firefly are portions of light alone, Teja Amsa, they are not of one and the same category. And then he uses a statement made by Madhvacharya himself elsewhere to show that, oh, well, here's an Acharya that's presented what we would look at as two 
contradictory statements. So which one do we accept? And Jiva's stating that we need to look at this statement by, 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 made by Madhvacharya. It does reconcile with the Siddhanta as we understand it. And therefore, from our viewpoint, it carries more evidentiary weight because we can reconcile it with other Shastric statements that are presented in the Bhagavat Purana. Therefore, since a distinction exists between the part Amsa and the whole Amsi, have appropriately explained the meaning of the statement. Krishna, however, is Bhagavan himself. Krishna stu Bhagavan Swayam. Then he goes on to uh, point out that the second uh, half of the verse, uh, there's a change of subject because of the two. The second half of the verse is not connected syntactically with the first half because the word two indicates a break in sentence structure. Consequently, the statement, Krishna, however, is Bhagavan himself, is complete in itself. Had Suda's intention been to compose a single sentence, he would have used the word cha instead of two. In that case, the statement beginning with Indrari, the second half of the verse, would then mean that it is they only, the above stated avatars, who appear, Mridayanti, who grace the earth in each yuga and not Krishna. So I will quickly go through a little commentary here um, and share it with you uh, just by reading. To complete uh, our presentation on this 28th Anucheta. So Jiva's really done a lot here to establish his, his points, but this this last uh, refutation of a what could be seen as a misconception in Madhvacharya's commentary uh, is dealt with in a little bit more detail here. Shujiva Goswami takes exemption, exception with Sri Madhvacharya's reading. According to Madhvacharya, Bhagavan has two types of manifestations, namely Swamsa, self-same portions and bibinamsa, differentiated portions. All the avatars belong to the first category, whereas the jivas belong to the second. Madhva makes it clear in his own direct statement that the avatars do not belong to the jiva category, but to that of Bhagavan. By quoting the Varaha Purana verse, however, Madhva intends something extra, namely that all swamsas are identical in potency and intrinsic nature to the Amsi. Swayam Bhagavan. 
to affirm this still further, the verse goes on to say that they exist, there exists not even an atom anu of distinction between the two. Jiva Goswami argues that such is not the case. Even among the avatars, there is a gradation. This is understood from the Bhagavatam 1.3.26, which compares the avatars to unlimited inexhaustible streams flowing from an inexhaustible lake. The sense is that the streams are inexhaustible, just like their source, and yet they are not equal to it in every respect. The inexhaustibility of the streams is dependent upon the lake. Hence, the streams are dependent upon the lake and not vice versa. Although Vasudev, Sankarsan, Pradumna, and Aniruddha are all unlimited, Vasudev is superior to the other three being their source. This gradation existing between Swayam Bhagavan and his innumerable avatars is understood to be present in Krishna Leela among the manifestations of Bhagavan who participate therein. Krishna, who is the source and shelter of all other expansions, is Vasudev. Proceeding from him in order are Balaram, who is Sankarshan, Prajumna, and Aniruddha. Similarly, in the Brahma Mohan Leela, Krishna manifests innumerable Vishnu forms which were not equal in each and every respect to Sri Krishna, their original source. And this concludes Jiva's, the commentary on Jiva's presentation, the 28th. The second half of the verse is an independent sentence applicable to the avatars of the Purusha. It is not connected syntactic, syntactically to the sentence Krishna's to Bhagavan Swayam because of the indeclinable two separates Krishna's to Bhagavan Swayam from the rest of the verse. The latter statement forms an independent sentence. This indicates, therefore, that Krishna does not appear in every yuga in his own original form. And we've already touched upon that. Establishing Krishna's Swayam Bhagavan is the principal theme of Krishna Sandarbha. This is also one of the chief distinctive features of the Gaudiya school of Vaishnavism. Although it contravenes the popular belief of Hindu Indologists, this understanding is crucial for the highest type of devotion, Uttama Bhakti, known as Raganuga. Sri Jiva Goswami thus endeavors to dispel any doubts in this regard. This is his unique contribution to Hindu theology. He continues to develop this theme until Anicheta 43. So we have quite a ways to go in his unpacking of this important Pariva Sutra. So this, this idea, this following of, of, of the Rigatmikas, the Raganuga Bhakti, which leads to the Uttama Bhakti, that is the ideal strived for by Gaudiya Vaishnavas, is, it only can properly fructify with a comprehensive 
and thorough understanding of the Siddhanta, of which this Pariva Sutra is, is key because it does unlock the entirety of the Bhagavat Purana, which is the primary Praman from which all the revelation which constitutes that methodology which is allows the attainment. So Sambandha, Abhideya, and Prayojan, they all fit together perfectly to allow us entrance into this highest ideal through knowledge, practice, and absolute revelation, realization, and entrance um, as a Raganuga Bhakti. Uh, and this, this is available uh, in this way. So I will end our discussion here. We'll begin with the 29th Anucheta uh, in our next uh, presentation. I've gone a little over. If there's any questions, I'll be glad to address them now. If not, I will sincerely thank you for your kind association. Vanchakalpadu bischa, kripas indaviva patitanam pamanebio, Vaishnavijanamo namaha. Hare Krishna. Krishna Kirtana Vanana Tanapano Premam Tambani <laughs>